Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. Following on with our favorite guest of the moment right now, <laughs> Heather Yando, of course, founder of Nonprofitist, nonprofit.ist, and consultant at Third Space. We are talking about whether or not, because this has been coming up a lot, will GPT destroy RFPs? And I know you are the like captain of the team of folks that think RFCs, request for conversations, are superior in many ways to RFPs, request for proposals. So we're going to throw a lot of acronyms out here. <laughs> Where and how do you think our conversation since the last time we had it with regard to RFP versus RFC is in the landscape now of GPT? So I think it's just gotten more complicated, more muddy, and I lean even more towards requests for conversations now. You know, one of the things that I have already started seeing is chat GPT AI generated cover letters. So I just hired for hmm. a position and one of the cover letters was clearly generated by AI. It used exactly the same language and it didn't mention that the person who was applying had a personal connection to me. So to, those, those were red flags. Didn't even have to use any tool, just read it and thought, this is not right. So we're already starting to see it. I suspect that if I was a nonprofit putting out a, a request for proposals, I would have already gotten some that were AI generated. So it's becoming, RFPs, in my opinion, are becoming increasingly useless, <laughs> increasingly challenging when the goal is to actually find the right consultant to help you with your challenge. For sure. I think, you know, we're using GPT synonymously with any generative AI tool that will create an output based on an input. I think there are ways of designing this, but I think there are tiers, right? I think, mm -hmm. if, frankly, legally speaking, if you have government funded projects, you have to solicit for and with RFPs, requests for proposals. It's just part of the game. You need three competitive bids. And that's just how the government cookie crumbles. Yep. There's a lot of white space below that, though, however, where, you know, I see small projects, we'll call them projects under 60K or even under 30K, where if you put out an RFP, like it is disturbingly easy to generate a proposal. Like I have a proposal generator for, for Whole Whale. I don't use it because it's just not how we go about it. But let's say I was a do anything now shop. Literally, I could just go through, copy a proposal, put it in, see if I get it, and then go forward. And I think there's real risk of having massive, you know, signal to noise issues in that process. Does how does that land for you? Yeah, I absolutely think so. I mean, you know, putting together proposals is super time consuming, especially for small shops. You know, there are two and a half of us. So to muster the resources it takes to put together a really good proposal is a heavy lift. And I can absolutely see why using ChatGPT or something else like it would be really attractive, right? It's certainly going to reduce the amount of time I'm going to have to spend writing. It can be a, a good jumping off point. I think that what we're likely to see is that those 
organizations who can take advantage of it. So particularly those organizations, those nonprofit consulting firms who have people who write proposals are going to probably take advantage of it. And George, they might be, you know, doing it with all of the respect and within the bounds of good AI usage, which I know you think and talk a lot. But I do think it's going to create more proposals and not necessarily more useful proposals for nonprofits to review. Yeah, I think all roads lead to conversations, though. I, they do. I think at some point, you know, you'll vet, you'll go through. There's just a lot more processing that ends up happening on the nonprofit side, albeit ironically, you could also use AI for <laughs> synthesizing that. And we end up back full circle to just have the conversation just up front. You're going to have to have it anyway. So being like our, you know, like a request for information or intent could lead to a conversation round and that would maybe filter out a lot of this because the number of proposals you're going to get is simply going to increase over this threshold because it's so easy. Literally. Yeah. If you are saying like, oh, he's talking about some advanced technical thing. Here's what I want you to do if you're a consultant right now or if you're a nonprofit, I just want you to understand how simple this is. You just go on ideally to ChatGPT4 or Anthropic if you have an account there. What you're going to do is prime the conversation with who you are, what you do, and the role of that AI. The next thing you're going to do is here is a sample of the structure of my proposals. Here is a couple case studies. Now that you're clear, please write a and respond to the following context of this new proposal. And you're going to toss that in and you're going to end up with something that's disturbingly good. As a first draft, and frankly, if you're lazy, just send it as mm-hmm. whatever your first your your final draft. Uh, I do, uh, as you mentioned, talk a lot about keeping human in the loop as soon as you send it out to the world. If it's if it's all within your control, please, please make it a first, not final draft policy of using AI and keep humans in the loop for now when exposing LLMs publicly to individuals especially if you are in, I'd say, crisis or trauma-adjacent conversation mm. for What is for LLM? Folks. Large language model. I feel like uh-huh. this is just alphabet soup here, uh-huh. a generative uh-huh. AI thingy. It, like, <laughs> there's nuance. There's the, fine. It's what we're talking about. So going back to that, what you're going to do is create that. Now, if you're on the nonprofit side, here's how you go about it. You say you are a selection criteria AI that evaluates proposals for our organization. Here is the proposal we created. Now evaluate this and break out based on price, competency, likelihood to deliver on time elements and shove it into the spreadsheet for me. And ta-da, you're just going to go back to having a conversation. conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's it's not buying the best digital camera, right? It's not a spreadsheetable thing, finding a consultant most of the time. You actually want to know if you're going to be able to work with this person. You want to have an understanding of who they are, of what their personality is, of what their style is. And certainly we talk about that in proposals, but it comes back to having a conversation and really seeing where that conversation goes. And that's something AI, at least currently, can't actually do for you. No. And the truth is you're going to be working with a person, not an AI. That's right. Uh, one of the things I do and I've always loved about nonprofitists is that you can just go shopping for folks <laughs> and just say, hey, I want to have a quick conversation. One click sends them a message so that you're like, all right, look, I have this fundraising campaign. I could put on our feet. Let me just talk to a few folks and That's see right. what they think about the project. What am I missing in here and how do I go about that? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, we designed it that way on purpose, right? It's people's pictures there, not their logos. We know that you're connecting with a person and we want to make that fr as frictionless as possible. Call them, email them, send them a message through the site, any way you want to get in touch with them. And then, yeah, have that conversation. What does this look like? What do you think? What are the questions you have for me? What would the timeline be for this? Yeah. And I do think there's some risk as well, which is why I want more foundations to do this. I'm to, to pay attention and to communicate to grantees about the, the risks here, because when you go out there with an RFP, you can get a lot of inbound and potentially unethical inbound mm. where folks can just sort of fake it till they make it, but they're using language borrowed, mm -hmm. <laughs> stolen from other groups or agencies, and they can mimic that style and confidence and suddenly you know, you're, you're selecting a, an inferior option or someone who has no clue what they're doing, but the jargon lines up just fine. So you're like, oh yeah. And oh, they're half the price. Isn't that nice? Like, uh -huh. Uh -huh. As many times as you need to, you get what you pay for. You yeah. will learn that. It's an immutable truth. <laughs> it is. And you know, obviously having conversations is going to help break through that. And then always checking references. Who else have you done yeah. similar work with? Can I talk to them? Let's have a conversation with those folks about what the experience was like working with these people. Yeah. I don't know if there's any other points in here. I have already just broken the entire system by literally explaining how to build a <laughs> RFP generator and then RFP proposal evaluator so that you just have this little disturbing, Luke. dystopian, mm -hmm. cyclical behavior. But, you know, to come back on you know, where this sort of started requests for proposals, RFPs are so anachronistic. Like they date back because in the industry of the 1880s, they needed to put this stuff in papers. So they needed to put it in a paper to be like, here you go, all comers, come <laughs> find my, you know, my road construction project <laughs> or train my ro railroad construction project. Uh -huh. And it wasn't until the 1960s thereabouts where the government really adopted this as a standard practice for large purchasing projects, yes. government sized stuff, yes. not tens of thousands of dollars, right? Yes. You're like, oh, it's so much money. It's not. It was created when the government's about to spend, you know, you know, X millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. That's what it was designed for. The government, as you remind, like I, I said, is like is requirement when you give to a nonprofit and use government dollars like, oh, no, no, you got to do that RFP process. Mm -hmm. But understand that's where that comes from. <laughs> that's where it comes from. And there's there's a belief that that's the right way to do it. That's the professional way to do it. That's the equitable way to do it. And I would argue for all of those, that, that is not necessarily true. It is not always the best way. It is always not always the most professional way. And it's certainly not the most equitable way to find someone to work with. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe to play the other, other side here, potentially one of the things that when you use the word equitable in my mind, it, it means you have to have the capacity and resources and capability to go about the very lengthy process of creating a proposal yep. and that process. And there's many folks in the nonprofit network that like definitely bristle. They don't even like go after yeah. it. They're yeah. like, no, 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 I, I won't even bother, which means you've already precluded a lot of qualified candidates from applying. That said, I just explained how you could create <laughs> a proposal builder so that you could get to the conversation. 
maybe the maybe there's a bright side there maybe there's a bright side there you know i'm one of those folks who uh, i don't do cold proposals and Mm. that doesn't mean necessarily that i have worked with a nonprofit before but i need to at least be able to have a conversation very rarely does a two or four page rfp have all the information i need to know even what to pitch as a first option for how i might be able to support this organization I often have lots of questions. I want to know a little bit more about the history. I want to know about why now. I want, you know, I want to understand why the budget is where it is and what the board's buy-in is. Things that people don't often write down in their requests for proposals. So even that first conversation, again, warming it up a little bit, having a sense of who's really there, what the real challenges are is, is super helpful. I will say for Whole Whale that we do respond to RFPs, but only if there was a conversation first. Yep, there you go. Like everything starts with a conversation just to make sure we're aligned. Are yeah. we in the ballpark? Is our type of service meet your type of need? And we do churn out a lot of proposals. However, they're much more like project plans. Like mm-hmm. we literally take that and move that into a contract, parts of it, and say, this is what we're gonna execute on because that's what we talked about and you know exactly what you get. So you're already doing pragmatic work. Now, yes, we uh, <laughs> we do lose a number of proposals, but that's you know that's part of the game. And yeah. I think of them less as proposals, maybe more as like project plans to make it more tangible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. We often put together proposals that are those project plans and then the very, if we get the work, the very first piece of that is let's actually dig into this project plan and figure out if it makes sense. We were basing this on an RFP and a 20 minute conversation, right? Like we don't, we, we need some more information. Well, I'm excited to put this out there. I think the more we talk about it, it's just like, it's like this quiet secret. You're like, oh, <laughs> like nobody knows that a hundred million plus people are using GPT tools to like write all manner of thing. Like we know we just aren't talking about it yes Yes. you know it's like if if the teacher in the classroom accidentally left the entire answer key on the chalkboard while you took the test and everyone was like is anyone gonna tell the teacher (laughs) that it's there like can we just start having this conversation we know it's happening we know it's going on and by the way if you're doing it lazily if you're doing it in a poor way if you're ever curious you can go to tools like gpt zero Put in that text and you're going to get a what's called perplexity and bursiness score, which is uh, was this probably created by uh, an AI or not, a generative AI or not. Uh, And so if you are bad at prompting, if you're doing this in a lazy way, uh, it's very much detectable. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Mm -hmm. you don't realize that. But people that know, know. Mm -hmm. And, Uh, you know, the plus side is there's lots of ways that these tools can help us as nonprofit consultants. You're actually doing a webinar on that very soon. There's lots of ways that these tools can help nonprofit leaders. So there is a positive side. Just, yeah, be careful with the RFPs. Agree to agree. <laughs> All right, Heather. All right. Thanks again. Thank and you. Folks can find you at nonprofit.ist, nonprofitist. That's and correct. Thanks for the community you're building. Thanks, George. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us.
Thanks, as always, to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 